Oh, hey, didn't see you there. How are you guys? Missed you. Busy week this week. I'm excited. Very excited. Welcome to the Brutally Honest Podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Barron. We have a great one for you tonight. Very excited. Um, as always, if you enjoy the show, uh, please smash that subscribe button. Actually, you know what? You should just hit it to support me. All right? I really genuinely appreciate it if you hit it to support me. You will see a new format in the bios now. I'm changing that up a little bit. Um, underneath, you can see all the good stuff to... Uh, follow find and all that jazz the podcast so you can keep up to date on the next and newest thing coming out um if you really really enjoy the show share it out tell your friends family share it on social media um and if you if you want you want to take a second out to write a review on it go for it man appreciate it or woman really really appreciate you taking time out of your day um, as always, you can go to the brutally honest I'm going to be doing, still doing a ton of work on that, um, to get it as optimal for you and your viewing experience as possible. Um, so you can go check that out as always. And, um, yeah, the holidays are around the corner. Everybody's getting busy, you know, lots of good things happening, lots of family time, you know, and, uh, you know, no better way to spend time with my family, my uh, friend family than, uh, doing podcasts. It's what I do. Love these people. Um, So, with that being said, today's sponsor is, as always, none other than the Nerds That Care, providing your company the best IT support possible. Uh, It's a company located in Bohemia, Long Island, and um, in Suffolk County. And actually, a lot of what Nerds That Care does, um, and and my role in Nerds That Care, is talked about in the podcast so i don't want to get too much into that but if you're having issues with employees wasting valuable time in the office employees aren't cheap if they're not working optimally could cost you a lot of money might be the time that you look into an outsourced it company you know if you're not too sure what the next technology you should have um is going to be might not be a bad time to uh, reach out and and give them a little call hey you know what What's going on? Need some help with my IT. I need some guidance on what I should be doing. That's all for it. And uh, they're making sure that your business is going to run smoothly. You know, gives you peace of mind at night. Your backups are secure. Your data is protected. You have a nice firewall up so nobody's breaking into your data. You know, that's what the that's what the nerds that care do. That's what they're that's what you're paying for. They do a great job at it, and they care. They genuinely care. I know a lot of guys. They leave the office, and if something's not done. Um, they'll go home and work on it all night to make sure it's done by the morning for, for customers and stuff like that and clients. So, uh, they do, they do genuinely care. And, uh, without my guest tonight is a dear friend of mine, Pete Fasulo. Um, he is, he works for the Sandler company. I don't want to give too much details cause I, I like when you guys have some, some idea of what's going on, but not too much, but he works for Sandler, uh, which I've also had Lee on. Um, Lee is a dear friend of mine as well. And uh, we talk a lot about Sandler itself. This is a very, very business-oriented uh, podcast with a lot of fun in, involved, too, but um, not as silly as some some have been. But uh, we get really deep into, you know, sales and, and training and things like that, and, you know, vulnerabilities in companies as far as why they aren't getting to the next levels and stuff like that. So without any further ado, please welcome my guest, Pete Fasulo. Oh, 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 oh,
What's up, brother? Thanks for being here, man. No problem. How's, uh, how's, how's the Sandler life going? Uh, very good. Very Been good. almost two years now. God damn. Time's flying, man. Yeah. Now, you had, uh, you obviously had your prior business. Yes. I don't know how in-depth you're allowed to go. I can what, talk about So that. what was, when did you start it? What was it like? And now that you, because I know you did professional coaching, right? Yeah, I did corporate sales training, professional coaching and consulting. Those were probably the two biggest parts of it. And what made you decide to go from your own business to Sandler? So I started my own business, PJF Sales Training, back in 05 after 20 years in corporate America, moving my way up the ladder from sales rep to sales manager to VP of sales, the whole bit. I woke up one morning. I don't know if I had midlife crisis or what, but I was like, uh, yeah, I walked in and resigned, actually. And my boss said, what, are you having a midlife crisis? I said, no, I want to start my own company, write a book, <laughs> get it published, you know, travel so around crisis. doing seminars. Yeah. Um, so it's funny. He's like, midlife crisis. Why don't you just get a hot car and a young girlfriend? I said, I have those things. So <laughs> I resigned. Check uh, and check. Exactly. So I resigned, started my own business. PJF um, sales training, figured I'd go with the actual initials, Pete J. Fasulo, and uh, started in 05, landed some customers, started doing sales training for them, uh, landed a couple of Fortune 500 companies through a oh, lot wow. of, yeah, uh, Comcast, mm-hmm. Aflac, Clear Channel Radio, Siemens Medical, and so I was on the road 40 to 45 weeks a year doing two to three day training seminars, management seminars, and... In the midst of that, got married. When I started the company, I was not married. Mm-hmm. Uh, got married, and then uh, five years into the marriage, I guess five or six years into the marriage, the wife and I had a discussion. 40-plus weeks a year on the road is a little ridiculous. <laughs> just and a little. Bit. Just a little, you know. The money was good. I believe but, it. Yeah. But So, uh, yeah, so I knew Rich Isaac and Rob Fishman from the Long Mm -hmm. Island Sandler franchise for years. You know, even though on paper we competed with each other, Mm -hmm. it was very rare we ran into the same clients. And honestly, on a scale of 1 to 10 of the respect we had for each other, it was a 20 across the board. Yeah, absolutely. I had seen both of them do some training through some networking groups. Uh, I don't. I think Rob had seen me do some work. Uh, we had a mutual client right here on Long Island that he had seen me do some management coaching and some training. I had seen him do some training on prospecting. So the respect was always there, and I called those guys up, and uh, I remember Rich said, get in here tomorrow. So uh, went in, had meetings with them, negotiated, and, uh, wow. and yeah, PJF sales training immediately became no longer. And I <laughs> Just, be- that's that it. was it. It was over, and I became part of the Sandler family, which has been great. It's yeah. been just under two years. I brought over some of my clients, the ones that don't require too much flying, mm-hmm. and I've uh, won a lot of new clients. Yeah, so, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's been great. That's a crazy transition, just to pack up your bags and, hey, you know, this is what I'm going to be doing now. My wife is much happier. now. I'm on the- this year I went on seven business trips. You've only done seven? That's it. Now, we're, uh, what, there's three for Sandler, right? Well, I don't count those, but I okay. mean for clients. Yeah, oh, we do. Okay. you're right, though. We do three Sandler conferences per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't count those. But then I did seven seminars for clients. I okay. have a couple of leftover clients from PJF, a couple of new clients we've won. We're speaking at a couple of annual sales kickoffs. Uh, I think Rich is doing two. Rob is doing 
two or three. I'm doing two. So yeah, that's incredible, man. Yeah, things are going really well. That's good, man. Yeah. Any plans for twenty? I mean, I'm sure you have plans. You have a dream board, or what's? It's, yes. Yeah, right. A dream board is what it's called. Yes, yeah, so I got a giant uh, two foot by three foot oak tag in front of my desk, and uh, <laughs> I, I call it my dream board. You know, and I put things on there, pictures of things I want to achieve over the next two or three years. I know when I first got the Sandler, I broke it into three columns. One says 2016, has the amount of money I want to make, has a mm-hmm. picture of, I forget if I put Fort Lauderdale or Puerto Rico in that one, mm-hmm. uh, which is where I wanted to go on vacation that year. Uh, and then 2018 had a higher number I want to make, uh, 2016 rather, had a higher number I want to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 2017, uh, yeah. Sorry, it was 2016, 2017, 2018. then 2018, which was the third. So I got to make a new dream board after this coming year. But uh, that one has a picture of a convertible. Got to make it like halfway through so you can right. see into the future. Right. Well, that one has a picture of a nice convertible on it. So Is wife going to let you get that? Uh, yes, I had that. <laughs> I had that. It's a long story. I had the convertible uh, before moving to Sandler. Okay. Uh, but then, uh, you know, I took a little bit of a step back make money wise mm-hmm. to come to Sandler uh, for basically a better lifestyle not being yeah. on the road 40 weeks a year etc so got rid of the convertible for now but uh, things are heading in the right direction the convertible will be back good stuff what kind of car I had the Mustang GT 5.0 the 2013 nice yep sold it in 16 uh, did the leasing thing I'm leasing a much more affordable vehicle <laughs> and then uh, the goal in 2018 maybe 2019 the latest would be to either get back to the Mustang or actually I got my eyes on uh, the Jag the new mm. Jaguar XF but uh, we'll see that might be a little bit pushing it they're beautiful cars they look great my question has always been is it really worth it you have I, to pay yeah. more for a car than a condo in Florida costs. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, it. it I, I was thinking about when I, I just got a semi-new car. I wound up buying pre-owned because I, I do a lot of miles. And uh, I was like, ah, oh, you know, do, do I get a Beamer or do I get, you know, my Honda? And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I really love the Beamer. And I'm like, you know, if I get this car everywhere I go, I'm going to be on edge because – you know, maybe somebody's gonna ding the door. Only until you get the first ding. Trust me. Oh, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to have that feeling. I was like, you know what? If if somebody dings, not, not that I'd be thrilled if somebody dinged the Honda because I probably like that car more than a BMW would at this point. <laughs> but I'm just like, I, I oh, it would scare the hell out of me. Yeah, it's once you get the first ding, it's all right. What is game over? That's, well, that's why they have insurance. You know, uh, it's true. really bad. Very so. true. So, but yeah, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, the car thing's not that important. I, I, the other thing I want is to get back. We had a condo in Florida, which we sold when we mm-hmm. made this move. So I'd like to get back there and have a, the condo in Florida again because I hate winter. Oh, me too. Just walking into your office from my car to the front door, I was like, this is ridiculous already. Yeah. And it's the first week of December. Oh, just today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're walking 30 feet. and it's- Said it's going down to 26 tonight. I'm like, no thanks. Yeah. Oh, is it so, really? It was supposed yeah. to get snow this weekend. Oh, yep. don't say that. No BS, man. Yep, my my buddy's working the uh, in the snow plowing industry, and they're okay. all get, they're all getting geared up. And I'm like, already, and they call it white gold because they're just they're making money hand over fist during that time. They make so much money with the business side of it that it's hard to hire someone to come out and shovel your driveway. It, it's brutal. A lot of them don't want to do homes anymore. They know they make more money business. Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. There's always more money in that. And on top of that too, you know, if you have a business, you're doing a you're doing a commercial 
parking lot. You can throw a plow on there. You know, if you scrape up the ground a little bit, nobody's really going to care. Right. You know, you go to somebody's house and you nick the ground, mm-hmm. you'll never hear the end of it. Yeah. No, my my wife was actually, her dad's getting a little older, and she was like, I want to, for Christmas gift, get them automatic, prepaid. And she had such a tough time. She called like 20 companies, like, no, we do business only. Oh, businesses only. It was tough. She yeah, finally so, found somebody and oh, it worked really? out great. But yeah. 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 Snowballs fo- are great, though. Her father loved it because, you know. They would snow. We'd wake up the next morning, and all of a sudden, they it's were gone. they were there. They had a bobcat in the driveway doing what they do. It was like that's crazy. Yeah, he no, used to go so out there serious. and shovel it himself. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah shoveling's no fun. No, winter's no fun. no fun. You know, I wouldn't even. I don't even mind shoveling. It's shoveling in zero degrees. <sighs> yeah, it's when it's unbearably cold. My line I always tell my family because I hate is why do we live here? <laughs> oh, I say the same thing. It's, why do I live somewhere where it hurts to go outside? Yeah. Yep. My friend Alan, who moved to Florida, he always says, uh, this is how you tell the smart people from the not-so-smart people, is the not-so-smart people live where it can snow. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, but you know, if you're born here, you're raised here, you your family's here, your job is here, it's not as easy as it sounds. No. I think most people would love to live in a place where it's 80 and sunny 290 days. But when your family lives here, and it's, it's... going anywhere. No, no. Especially kids. You bring kids into the picture. Good luck. Right. Good luck doing any of that. Right. Now, I don't have kids, but, you know, my wife and her sister are very close. Most most people are close to their family. They're not yeah. going to just up and leave, you know? So, yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. So now, uh, I know we were speaking before this, you know, you have big plans for 2018 and, and with Sandler. And for anyone who doesn't know what Sandler is, I mean, if you want to elaborate just on what Sandler is and what you do for Sandler. Sure. So Sandler Training is a... Worldwide organization, sales training and coaching, uh, as well as management, coaching, and consulting. Uh, They're in over 300 offices right now in 23 countries. Uh, Yeah, it's it's That's crazy. Huge. Probably the largest training organization in the world right now. And uh, I am director of business development here in Long Island. And we do what I would say I do most is falls into one of three categories. We go out on-site to companies with salespeople and do training sessions. Mm -hmm. We have a weekly training that goes on in our office every Tuesday morning, 8.30 to 10.30 a.m., Mm -hmm. and companies send their sales reps to that. We call that foundations. After you do two or three months of the Tuesdays, you graduate to sales mastery, which is Thursday mornings. That's right. You're in that class. Uh, And then the third thing we're doing is what we call a virtual sales manager program, where a lot of companies here on Long Island, the business owner hires some sales reps, doesn't really know how to manage them. Mm. And we go in, or I go in, and once a week, and I'll do everything from hold the team meeting to do the one-on-ones with the sales reps, funnel and pipeline reviews, report back to the boss on what's happening, what's working, what's not working, and... uh, that's actually been a big winner for us because here on Long Island, there are a lot of business owners. They don't want to do all the sales themselves, mm-hmm. but they don't have the time, the money, the energy to go out and hire an entire sales staff. So they hire two, three, maybe four sales reps. They they can't – what's the word I want to use? They can't really dedicate all their time to being a sales manager. They're yeah. running a business. They're hiring. They're firing. They're paying accounts payable, accounts receivable, mm-hmm. and HR stuff. And you know, and all of a sudden, they're giving maybe 10. Yeah, it's this giant cloud of stuff. Yeah. Floating over them that they got to 
you know, pull here and down, here and there with where they got to fit that position for that time. Exactly. It becomes business ownership over the sales guys. And then what happens is they expect the sales guys to handle it themselves. You know that doesn't happen. And then it goes awry, especially it, if they have no training. Right. Right. So that program has been really good for us. It's really been good for our clients. Uh, We have one client we do it for right now. I go there every Tuesday, spend half a day there, do the team meeting, follow up by doing some one-on-ones, meet with with, uh, the owners and discuss exactly what's working, what's not working, which reps are doing a great job, which reps are not doing so great, which reps need help. Um, We've actually doubled their sales this year. When we got there, yeah, when we got there, they were – Give me a little – Th- thank you, That's thank you. Impressive, yeah, no, it's 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 gone very well. So yeah. So that's what we do. Those are those are the kind of the three things it falls into most. Mm-hmm. There are some offshoot things like we do speak in annual sales mm-hmm. kickoffs occasionally. Um we do some prospecting boot camps, which I think you've been to where mm-hmm. Rob Fishman, yep, one absolutely. of our partners, does a great job. Yeah, I'm on, trying to get Rob and Rich on here. Uh, we'll they were have supposed to, get to be on there. give a little sneak peek, but they were supposed to be on yesterday. Ah. But uh those guys are the only people busier than me that I know of. Agreed. I think what you'd have to do to get Rob is entice him and tell him you want to do a podcast strictly on prospecting because that's his thing. He, oh, he loves, loves it. He does. And he's so good at it. He's so good at it. He, you know, when he prospects himself, even though he's partner in the business, he is on the phone making phone calls. Mm-hmm. He is in networking groups. He is. He's hammering. He's, he's literally the definition yeah, of yeah. hammering at yep. work. Yep. And he's so successful. He's our number one producer, and yet he's still making phone calls, not yep. doing much door knocking, but making phone calls, networking groups, uh, you, using LinkedIn mm-hmm. to generate leads. He's you know writing articles, things like that. So yeah, but yeah, if you convince him, it's on prospecting. Yeah, I'm sure he'd yeah, come and talk about right that. now. They're uh, Rich and Rob. I think are sometime in January. Tentatively though. All right. Tentatively. It's always tentative so, with those guys. Yeah, very. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I get it. They're extremely busy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, Rob, I think, is going to Brazil, Germany, and Israel oh to goodness. speak at company's annual sales kickoffs. And then I think Rich is doing two in San Diego, and then I'm doing one in Phoenix and one in San Diego. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Yeah. Where's Lee going? Uh, nowhere. <laughs> nowhere at the moment. We, l- let me tell you something. Lee's phenomenal with the coaching Yes. She had, we have a couple of clients where she comes in, she'll listen to them make calls and she'll coach them. You know, let's say this oh, here, yes. let's say this here, uh, let's shorten it up, let's watch our tonality. Yes. She's phenomenal at that. She's actually talk about my story where I helped that company double their sales. We have a client out of east on Long Island. She goes to once a week, listens to them, makes phone calls, sits from rep to rep and mm-hmm. coaches. And she has one client that's I think they've more than doubled their sales since she's been doing that. So that's incredible. Yeah, no, that's it's going tremendous. great. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's definitely I, as a business owner, money very well spent. Uh, if I say that, I sound like I'm touting us. So no, I won't. I I'll let that. you say that. I'll but say yeah, that. I think no, it's definitely. Uh, well, I'm a product of of the service, so um, and I can definitely endorse the fact that it's it's legit as it comes. It, it really is. And, Thank you. Um, you guys have done everything that's been completely top notch, and actually, and far exceeded the expectations. I had no idea what to what I was getting my hands in, and um, it was funny because I was in, I was in class the, actually the other day, and um, we we're talking about uh, referrals, and and Rob, Rob, yeah, Rob was like, uh, you know, what'd you start doing that, uh, you know, why why were referrals working out for you all of a sudden? And I go, uh, you told me to ask for them, and he's <laughs> like, that's it. I go, yeah, I have, I have no. 
I have no bad habits to break. Right. So as soon as you say, hey, do something, it goes into implementation that, that afternoon. Sometimes it's that simple. You know, people don't do the little extras, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes just asking even someone who didn't sign up with you. I mean, it's always a stronger referral if the person's a client and they've seen results and they like you and what you're providing them works great. Mm-hmm. But there are some people who they'll hang up from a phone call or before they hang up from a phone call, they'll actually ask the customer, listen, it sounds like this is not a right fit for you. Is there anyone you know that also owns a business who might benefit from sales training? And it's funny. You'd be shocked how many people are like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I only have two sales reps and things are going great here, but my buddy owns a company and they've got five sales reps and he and I went out the other day and he was telling me how he needs to get things going next year. But it's So you're right. You, you got to ask. Yeah. Yeah. You don't ask. You ain't, you're not going to receive. Exactly. I, I, I started doing that and it's been tremendous. Good. Uh, Good. Absolutely tremendous. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it, and the craziest part is too, I'm just thinking like, you know, I used to work at CVS. And at CVS, you know, you ring somebody up, and it's like, oh, you try to sell them the tissues, you know, and and it sounds <laughs> yep. so stupid, but that that thing of tissues costs them five cents, right? And it takes you, uh, uh, what, one second, two seconds to say to ask them, and if they sell it, they just made forty five cents, you know, fifty cents for a pack of tissues. And most of the time, people are buying two, you know. Let me keep one, one in the bag, one in the pocketbook, yep. whatever it is. And I'm like, just that simple little thing. I'm like. I never even thought about it correlating to business, but asking for that referral is is your way of almost upselling. Oh, yeah. Instead of trying to steal money from that person, you know, hey, is there anybody else that you know that I can help? You have to say, you have to make sure that you're helping them and you're not trying to take from them. Exactly. I, I think you know we break it at Sandler into what we call care, K A R E, mm-hmm. and you know, with 2018 about to start, we're sitting down and going through our existing accounts, and it falls into one of those categories. K means keep. Mm-hmm. You know, there are clients who. We just want to keep them. Things are going well. They love us. We love them. They don't have extra possibility to spend more money. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep them. Yep. And you have A is attain. You know, we need to go win new business. Every business needs to win new business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then you have R for recapture. There are customers who were a client, stopped being a client. Go back and revisit them. Yeah, Things yeah. have changed, you know. Things are probably great at that time. You, hey, you know, good for now and – there's new people, new bodies in there. You know, exactly. New, could be a whole new everything. And then E is expand, which is what you're describing, which is I already have a customer. How do I get more business out of them? Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's an extra pack of tissues or a buddy of mine worked at Journeys for Kids while he was in college, yep, the, yep. Uh, yep, shoe the shoe store. And they used to always tell them, make sure you sell socks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, oh, you're doing it. Expand. And they're like, I'm doing a what? I'm like, of course. it's called expand. They Absolutely. went in to buy shoes, but you're convincing them to buy socks. You know, in college, I worked in a camera store. Mm-hmm. They only gave us like 1% commission when we sold a camera. Oh. They gave us 10% commission on all the extras. So if I sold you the case, uh, the flash, the auto winder, the lens cap. The yes, I'm showing my age here, Harrison. But yes, the auto winder. You couldn't go shoot sports without an auto winder. Oh, my goodness. That was the days where, I, I got to tell you, I'm a big Islander fan. and We used to go to I, Nassau Coliseum. Yeah, yeah. And as a high school kid, you could walk in with your camera. And they let you walk around the arena, mm-hmm. and I used to get right up near the glass and take pictures of my auto winder. I got some great pictures. Nowadays, you could never do that. Signs anywhere, everywhere. No yeah. photography, mm-hmm. and you know, they, your seat is your seat. You don't see people roaming around the. It just it was different back then. But yeah, yeah, that's I mean, so crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing how the times have changed. Oh yeah, from from back then, you know, hey, 
Feel free, just come on in. Do whatever you want to do. I was watching, speaking of that, I was watching, show my uh, fandom here, but I was watching the Yes Network and they were showing the replay of the 1976 uh, playoffs when Chris Chambliss hit the game-winning homer and the Yanks went to the World Series. All the people come flying out of the stands and they're all on the field and they're yeah, hugging the players. No way would that happen nowadays. <laughs> you know, the security's a lot different. I I almost feel like fans don't even expect that that's a thing. They're worried about getting I, arrested. I know. Back then, it's it crazy. Cult, such a culture change. Yeah. Such a yeah. culture change. Probably for the better. A little, little risky. Chris Chambers couldn't even get around the bases back then. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing to see, you know, how how everything is, has evolved over time. I mean, I, I, I correlate everything to technology because that's what that's what I live in yeah. now. And, yeah. and it's it's amazing to see, you know. Hey, we're talking about you know the wind up cameras, and now it's now we're at the point where the cameras have GPS, they have Wi Fi, yeah. they have yeah. Bluetooth. You take that photo; it's already on your phone, and you can share it to Instagram in seconds. Yep, yep. Like there's no oh, I need to make sure it doesn't hit the light and get developed and mm-hmm. and and or get exposed, and I gotta get developed. Now it's instant. The developing thing was funny too. People would bring in their roll of film that they took out of their camera, mm-hmm. drop it off at our camera store, yep. and about f- we'd ship it out to some lab in New Jersey or Rochester for Kodak, uh-huh. and about four days later we'd get it back. We'd have to call the people. Your yep. pictures are in, and they'd come back down to the store. I mean, can you imagine? It's like nowadays you think about that. It's like, no, I want the picture now, not we have five a, days from we now. We have a GPS locator for our damn pizza. Yes, yes, yes. When they like, deliver, you know. Like, well, where have we gotten in a society? Look at Uber and Lyft. You oh, know? Yeah. Uber yeah. and Lyft are phenomenal. It's a great business model. Not to get off tangent. Well, I don't no, know. go for it. That's yeah. what this is here for. Man. All right. You well, said we're no. not going to crush an hour. We're crushing All an right. hour. Man. I got to tell you, it's a great business model because I think, especially when it's raining out, as a guy that worked in Manhattan for 16 years, to walk outside your office, have an appointment downtown, know that it's going to take at least 20 minutes to get there, We'd walk out of our building 45 minutes ahead of schedule because you could sit out in the rain for 15 minutes before you find a cab. So it's crazy now. You just call an Uber and call. You just touch. Yeah, just touch. You track it. You see that he's four blocks away. Yep. Now you walk out the front of your door. You're not getting rained on. No, it's a phenomenal product. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, phenomenal. It's, and it's all it is is software. They own nothing. Nothing. It's that's true. The they don't part. own the car. That's true. People yeah. are people always say, you know, what's what's going to be the next big thing? And, I'm, and I say, you know, look at people who don't own anything. In all honesty, you have Uber owns yep. no no cars. Yeah. I mean, they, now they're testing auto- autonomous vehicles, but you have Lyft. Well, they've owns- bought something like two hundred thousand self driving vehicles. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But they're not manning them now. And this is oh. only just recent. Right. Before they had, they didn't even have that. You know, you have Airbnb owns no real estate. You know, right, you right. have you have Facebook owns no people. I mean, now it has people working for them, but right, right. you know they're not they don't own anything in particular. Like you have all of these different companies that are just tremendous that physically own nothing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the world is changing. It's I mean, it's, and you just told me about that that software the uh, what, the dragon. Oh, dragon, yeah, yeah, yeah dragon yeah. software. Yeah. We're, we're talking about books. Yes, if you want, if you don't want to type a book you're writing, uh, you. Go on, you download this thing called Dragon, or you buy it, I guess. It's a software for a couple hundred bucks, and you read right into your computer's microphone. It types it for you. I I would recommend proofreading it, but it types it for you, and then boom, there you go. I always say, you know, if if you're within, especially with technology, if you're within a 95% accuracy, or even I, I would take 
a 90, probably about 93% accuracy. Till I'm once you break that ninety mark, and that sounds super conceited, but you know if you think about it, every ten, every the tenth of every word is going to be messed up. Yeah, I think if you're writing a legitimate book, you want it to be a hundred percent, obviously. But if you're you just sending it. out a blurb or something, yeah, 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 it's uh no, that's true. I mean, it's 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 incredible. And we were talking about you know if we were to write a book, and I'm I'm hopefully going to have a book done at some point in my life, hopefully sooner than later, but. uh you know, the amount of time that that saves as opposed to hammering away on a keyboard, how inefficient oh, that is. First of all, I'm a, too slow. I'm a two-finger typist. Are you really? One on each hand. Yeah, I know. I Well, I grew up in a generation where, you know, uh, yeah, when I first got in the business world, uh-huh. I actually had a secretary. I know it's a dirty word these days, but I had a secretary. Why is that? Why is that? Uh, first of all, it's now administrative assistant. Second of all, I think... It kind of went away. Like, I'll give you a quick story. In 1993, when I was at AT AT&T, we walked in one morning and half the secretarial pool was gone. And everybody was like, what the heck happened? And they called a big meeting in the conference room. We went in there and they were like, "Uh, okay, effective immediately. Everybody gets a laptop. All the guys under 30 were like, this is awesome. I get my own laptop. All the guys over 30 were like, what the hell am I going to do with this thing? Mm-hmm. I got to type my own proposals. Yeah. You know, and then in the world of sales, it became now you're going to enter everything you do into this CRM every yep. day. And sales reps, you know, some of the old school guys used to say, like, this is cutting into me selling. I used to sell a solid eight hours a day, mm-hmm. a knuckles to door by 9 a.m., and I didn't come back to the office till 5.30 with a pocket full of business cards, uh, an order, uh, a couple of bills that I needed to do a proposal based on. Now, if I'm not back to the office by 3 o'clock to put everything in the CRM, I'm going to be stuck here till 8 o'clock at night. Yeah. So a lot of the old schoolers, but it's become so part of what we do in the world of sales now, it's like second nature. But I remember in the early 90s when it first happened, people were like, what, are you kidding me? Yeah. And now you can whip up, I mean, most of the time you can whip up a proposal pretty quickly. If you have a good template, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that and and the nice part is too. Back to technology, though, you it's all stored in one place. You know, yes. Oh, you know, Pete, what'd you do in sales? You know, three years ago, what'd you do in sales five years ago? You don't, you probably don't remember that number off the top of your head. And even if you did, you know, it's probably not as accurate as you think it might be. You know, oh, I did eighty thousand. Well, I did like seventy four thousand. It's like the catching the fish story. It always gets a little larger. Yes. Oh, I think that year I did two fifty. Yeah, yeah. By the time I was one sixty. Yeah, yeah. By the time you're uh, yeah. ready to lay down on the ground, you yeah. know, I did a million dollars when I was yeah. your age. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, you didn't. No. <laughs> so, no. So it's the fish story. The fish tale. The, yeah. <laughs> the fish. Every every. It's just getting bigger and bigger. Exactly. Um. And and actually, one of the other things that we were talking about too uh, was co- was the commissions, you know, and and people being either underpaid or overpaid in their commission structure. Now, what is I don't know what a typical breakdown or anything about any of that kind of stuff. You're obviously dealing with it more than I am. I think the key word there you said is typical. I don't think there is a typical. I think there are companies who have found success in their model that works in their industry. I have clients who pay a draw versus commission. That's it. You know, the and what, level. And do you want to explain a draw? Because I, okay, so I barely even understand. The draw it. versus commission would be we're going to give you $500 a week and you get 10% of every sale you make. Mm-hmm. At the, the 500 is not a salary, it's a draw. So mm-hmm. if you don't make enough sales to pay for that 500, you owe us that. So if you only made say $400 worth of commission that, that one week, 
we're going to pay you the 500 but now you're minus 100 in your bank. Mm. The next month you make 700 commission. Oh, we're going to pay you 600 of it, and now you're even with us. We made up for the 100 from last month that you owed us. Damn. Plus, yeah. The truth is, from my experience, and listen, it works in some businesses and works very well. In my experience, the level of talent that takes those jobs is not the same as a level of talent that would take a job that has a straight up real base salary mm. plus commission. Yeah, other people hungry. Well, and that's the thing. Other people would argue, I want someone who's hungry, who's going to go out there and has to make every dollar for themselves. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it, different industries, different businesses, things work for some and don't work for others. But to go back to your initial question of typical. I don't think there is any typical. Every mm-hmm. business does it their way. I have clients that pay $65,000 base salary to a sales rep plus commission. Mm-hmm. The commission might only be 2% of everything they sell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And then have other clients who are paying 10% commission of everything they sell, but there is no base salary. There's a draw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I, the draw I think, just helps you keep your float, I guess. Yeah. I think the goal, if you're a business owner, to attract really good salespeople, though, is to make sure a couple of things happen. Number one, they can survive here on Long Island. We know it's expensive to live here. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the stats just came out a couple of weeks ago that the average family in Nassau makes $106,000 a year. The average family in Suffolk makes $95,000 a year. So wow. if you own a business and you think you're going to find a really good sales rep for $30,000 a year plus commission, I would say think again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, those numbers might work in other parts of the country where things are less expensive, housing, dinners out with the family, et cetera. But I think here in the Long Island area, there's a certain number you have to meet to attract good talent. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, but that's like my that, take you on have it. to attract good talent. Well, you know, we hear it a lot from business owners. You know, my sales reps stink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it usually falls into a lot of different categories. Number one, the talent you've brought into your organization is not up to speed. Mm -hmm. Number two, you're not doing enough training to get them up to speed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number three, they're not motivated, and that's a whole different story, yeah. you know. And number four, uh, which I see a lot, and especially right now, we're coming to the beginning of the new year, they're not setting the right goals for these reps, mm. and they're also not creating a proper cookbook of activities for the reps to reach those goals. Mm. I think those are the most important things in sales management, to be honest with you, and business ownership. Yeah. If I hire a rep, I, I need to give him exactly what his goals are mm-hmm. and even go one step further and say, here's the cookbook act of activities it's going to take to achieve those goals. Yeah, that's yeah. having having that cookbook is definitely uh, a, huge, a huge key. And then... Or at least that person, if especially for a smaller company, um, having an idea of what those goals need to be. Exactly. Maybe it might not be laid out. Here, here's the structure of what we need to hit. But you know, hey, you know, I need to bring in X amount of dollars this year. How, you know, and then at least I know myself. I do a constant analysis almost every month of you know what did I do? Yeah. How how did I get there? You know, how am I doing? What do I have in my pipeline? You know, where where do i have seeds planted all over the place you know right. which ones are going to sp- which ones are going to start to uh yeah, to grow and i think too many business owners feel like the sales rep is a professional i hired a grown up he's done sales before he knows what to do but but in order to manage you need to take it to the next level if somebody hired you tomorrow harrison and said i want you to bring me a million dollars but didn't tell you how to do it you wouldn't know if it was realistic 
Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know what the activities were that, and even if they said, yeah, it is realistic. The guy that last had this territory brought in a million a year. Great. How did he do it? Yeah. What what was, what was the cookbook? Was he doing it through networking, cold calling, door yeah, knocking, phone prospecting? You know, was he writing articles on LinkedIn every day? Was he winning small accounts, 10 of them a month? Was he winning large accounts, one of them a month? Yeah. You know, so I think a lot of people need to understand when you own a business or when you manage a sales team, the most important part is setting those smart goals and then creating the cookbook of activities it takes to achieve those goals. Well said. I like that. Thank you. Pete Fasulo drinking his Snapple iced tea. Uh, yeah, I got to quit this stuff. Apparently, it's like 38 grams of sugar in it. They're so bad for you. Hold on. Let me see. You want to know what's crazy? I never ha- I never knew how bad it was to, to break Yep, 30, 36 grams of sugar. Yeah. And this is like my third one of the day, so that's probably not Jesus good. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. I, I look great. You know what? Get me a water. <laughs> I have water in there. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know why I can't quit these things. They're delicious. They are. I used to get one uh, back in back way back in the day when I was uh, when I was a wee little lad going to <laughs> going to uh, high school and middle school. My mom would give me one of those every day, and I was like, "Oh, it's great!" You know, loved them, delicious drinks. And uh, one day I looked at the, the 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 nutrition facts, and I was like, "This has more sugar than a soda." Oh, d- way more. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, "This is this is madness." That's why it's so delicious, though. Good, oh, of course. good lemon flavored Snapple iced tea, love it. Um, but yeah, no, I do need to quit these things, or at least slow down. Have one or two a day instead of three or four. Do you buy the big cases at Costco? Yes. Don't, don't say it like it's so bad. It's, it's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. <laughs> so you know. Luckily, my metabolism, even at age 55, is still pretty good. Uh, you know, I get Take to the him. gym. I try. But it's still not the same as – still not as healthy as not drinking it at all. So I didn't know I was coming on here to talk about my obsession with Snapple sugary iced tea. Dude, you said, oh, you know, no way you're going to get an hour out of this. And this is where this is where, this is what happens with the show, man. See? We start with business and then we roam into other things and, and who knows where it goes. You know, it's funny. So I was a DJ in college radio. Okay. WSJU, St. John's University. <laughs> and uh, you had music to fill some of the time. You didn't have to talk for an hour or two hours, you know. Yep. Back then you had a two-hour shift. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you had music. I could never think you'd just talk for two hours, you know. And then talk radio became like a big thing over the past, I guess, 15 years. Yep. Started with sports talk radio, then political talk radio, then Howard Stern. and mm-hmm. You know, it's just like they'll no music. Just, let's just talk. Just talking. And they fill up the time and fill up the time. And people are eager for more. And people are eager for more. It's funny. I'm not a talk radio guy. Yep. I'm a music fan. But it is amazing to me how people can they'll sit there and listen to Howard Stern show for five straight hours. Yep. I I'm not a guy. I can't do that. I can't. And I'm a sports fan. Yeah. I can't listen to sports. Do you talk listen to radio. the radio or do you listen to music on your phone? Listen to a combination of things. Now, luckily, my car has that sync, so uh, mm-hmm. I have Sirius Satellite Radio. Okay. Got my four or five favorite stations there. Then, of course, I have the 256 gig iPhone, so I have there like 273 playlists. 273 playlists? Yes, yes. There's about 200 different bands I have made their own best of. And I say best of, but I decided they were the best. So I don't Yeah, know that's cool. That's all yeah. your music. Yeah, and... Uh, and then I have like decades. You want to hear the best of the seventies, best of the eighties, best of the nineties, best. Of the... So my best of the nineties has over two hundred and fifty songs. 
you can tell kind of what generation. How many songs do you have on your phone? Is there a way to figure out the total? I don't know. It's uh, a good question. Let me see. If oh, you go let's to figure that out, playlist artist album songs. Yeah, if so you go click to songs, songs and then you scroll, scroll all the way to the I was bottom. Say, I think goes, you could, Pete, Pete, look like this. You just take your finger on the side. Oh yeah, yeah, go, drink, yeah. All right, yeah, got it. And then, uh, ooh, does it not say that? It does not say. Uh, shit. nope. Doesn't say. How do we find out how many songs? There's a lot. I'm gonna Google this real quick. Are you gonna I'm Google just, this yeah, real quick? Okay, right. Only because you have 256 playlists, so I'm curious. All right. See, now when I was on the radio in college, I was used to playing music. I could play you a song while you look this up. Oh, <laughs> oh we got Google, man. Google's quick. <laughs> Google. Uh, what you you got? can check by going to see how many songs you saved on your device by going to settings. Settings. All right. And then under general, so we'll do two with you. Okay, let's do this. So settings. General. General, and then uh, about, and it's under songs. About, so, yeah, about's at the top. Okay, you, you want to take a guess? I'm curious to know who has more because I have a good chunk on what here. What do you got? Go ahead. I have uh, 1683. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, seven thousand fifteen songs. That's cr- you said seven thousand dollars in music. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, first of all, I'm 55, so I've been collecting right, music right, a lot right, longer right, than you. Right. Number two, when you had to go buy CDs at a record store yeah. when I was a kid, like, you heard one good song on the radio and you liked it, you went out and spent nine ninety nine on a CD. You know? 7,015 7, songs. songs, yes, yes. And 30 rock videos. Uh, let's see. Yeah, 2,000 photos. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on here in this phone. That's- I'm a music fan. That's incredible. Yeah. I, I don't have 7,000. I thought I had a lot with 1,000. That was funny when you said 1,600 and I just turned the phone around. I figured I'll just let him <laughs> let him see this. So, yeah, yeah. No. That's, that's insanity. Big music fan. That's absolutely insanity. Probably the only things in my life that I am, like, obsessed with is business, sports, music, and my wife. That's about it. Pretty much the rest I could not care less about. Not a big politics guy. Yeah. Not a big. Uh, That's good though. You got not a big core. movie guy. I go to the movies, not but a movie no, yeah, not a big movie guy. You know. The uh, been to about eight Broadway plays my whole life. Like no, but I've been to like probably four thousand concerts. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that. Music guy. I've been to a hundred and. 150? Okay. Right. I worked at John's Beach Theater. Ah. So I got to see a lot of concerts. I got to pay I got paid to see a lot of concerts. There you go. There you go. Uh that was one job. So I wait a minute, what years were you working leave. there? I started working there in twenty I wanna say twenty eleven or twenty twelve and I worked there for three okay. or four years. So twenty eleven, it's now twenty seventeen coming to an end. So with who have I seen there within the last six years? So I would say Five years ago, Elvis Costello opened for the police. Yes. Okay. Yep. I was at that show. Okay. Uh, let's see. What else have I been there for? Not a lot. I, and I know this is going to Underrated be, venue. See, and I, I almost disagree in the fact that I don't like outdoor shows. I feel like the sound quality is not... For a true music fan, I like being indoors. I love going to Irving Plaza in Manhattan. Mm. I love going to Terminal 5 in Manhattan. Here on Long Island, there are a couple of venues that have really good sound. The Paramount's good. Uh, It's a smaller venue in Patchogue, and they really don't get a lot of 
name acts, but 89 North has phenomenal yes. sound system. Does it really? Yeah. I've never been there. Unfortunately, all they ever, they're small, so all it ever books is like tribute bands. Yeah. But if they ever had like a real band yeah. that I liked, I would love to see them there. Sound quality there is phenomenal. Um, where else? You know, I went to the Emporium a few years ago to see yeah. a show. It's not even called the Emporium anymore, and the no. sound quality was horrible. Yeah, horrible. Not, not great at all. No. Not great at all. Yep. Um, it's funny, we're talking about, you know, the radio and, and how we got our music, and I have a friend in um, in marketing, and, and they work for, uh, you know, WBAB, BLI, one of the, I don't know what the other Cox, ones are. Cox, Long Island. Yeah, yep. Cox. Yep. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of different ones on Long Island. Yep. And, uh, you know, they're telling us... Telling me, you know, oh, you know, if you spend this much money, you know, you're 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 going to reach about fifteen thousand people a day and whatever. And I'm like, that's not that many people at all, actually. And she's like, well, I think terrestrial radio uh, doesn't have the listenership they used to have. I think like we were just talking about before, between the satellite radio and mm-hmm. people like hooking up their iPhone to their sync or whatever you call it, every vehicle, Bluetooth, Bluetooth in oh, your you car. Okay. Sorry, I'm using the Ford terminology. You can tell what I drive. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's it's true. I don't think people, terrestrial radio, people don't want to sit through the four-minute commercial break every half hour. That's the worst. And it's not even every half hour. It's It cuts every in between every song. Well, depending on what station you're listening it's to. It's like, yeah. 97.3 The Shark. I think that's 94.3. Oh, whatever it is. Not, yeah, it shows you how much I listen to the radio. Yeah, yeah. I listened to the radio the other day, and uh, I, I left my phone in the house, so my phone, my car didn't sync to my phone. The Bluetooth didn't come over, so I was like, "Shit!" And I don't have I don't have any CDs in my car, so I'm like, "I'm like, all right, I'll just pop the radio on. I'm gonna be in, here, in the car for five minutes." I hit the radio. I hit the three stations that I semi listen to. Add, add, add. I go. This is great. Turn. I just. I literally hit the power button, and I'd rather just drive in silence. So do you do you have the satellite radio? Because nah. I know it's commercial free. Oh, okay. I actually don't like satellite radio. Oh, see, I do. Because I'd rather just buy the songs than listen to them whenever I want. And I yeah, but sometimes they've podcasts. introduced me to new things I've never heard. So I listen to Pandora. Okay. All right. Pandora streams to the phone and yeah. to the car. Yeah. So. That's where I get my fix of new right. music from. See, and I go on like the Sirius Satellite Radio Alt Nation, which is the alternative rock station. Yes, I've been on play, there. Yeah, Absolutely. and they play like the new, there's a new song by so-and-so, blah, blah, mm-hmm. and um, if I like it, sometimes I'm actually like at a red light taking a picture of the, of the uh, yeah, of my dashboard with the name of the song and the artist, and then when I get to work, I download the song. <laughs> is that bad? People must think something's wrong with me. I'm at a red light taking a picture of my dashboard with my phone. Eh, you know what? Uh, you know what's crazy? How many people drive on their phone? Uh, yeah, I saw a lady, and I never this. I've seen everything on the phone. I've seen everything people doing on the phone. You know, texting, whatever, taking photos, videos while they're driving, whatever. I don't care most of the time. As long as you do it good, I don't care. What you do. <laughs> it sounds terrible. You start veering out of the lines. But different story. This lady had. It, I couldn't tell if it was a FaceTime or something on her phone, but the phone was mounted to the steering wheel. Oh, my gosh. So there was a part of the steering wheel you couldn't use, and as as she turned, the phone oh. would go back and forth. And I was just like, what on earth? Like, I mean, this has got to be the most unsafe thing I've seen out of all of them. Uh, I mean, unless she's just using it for GPS. I don't know, but you're right. I mean, well, just strap it to your steering wheel. Yeah, though. there's a like, lot going on. Because God, God forbid your eyes start to follow that phone going over, mm-hmm. and you start to turn a little too much or whatever it is, or you're following the phone, and it's further and further away from the road. Exactly. I don't know. That's, that's my philosophy. No, I, I, I get it. I try not to be on the phone at all when I'm driving. Uh, the cool thing about the Bluetooth, though, if I get a call, 
It's in the car. Press accept and just do what I got to do. Well, yeah. You know. I make a lot of phone calls in the car. I do my too. Per- my rolling office. Yeah. It's great. When I worked in Manhattan, I used to make the phone calls. When we first got cell phones back with flip phones. I think you were going to say at make, a pay phone. No, well, that's going way back. But I'm talking about <laughs> I, I get on Long Island Railroad and start making phone calls. But depending on who you're sitting next to mm. and they want to take a nap, you know, it's just almost rude. Mm-hmm. So now at least when I'm in my car, it's better. I like working in suburbia yeah. instead of the city, actually. Yeah. I tell people when I'm on the train, I say, just text me. I'm on the train. If yeah. I answer the phone, like, yeah. just text me, email me if we're on the train. I'll bang. I'll yeah, bang I'll text back and say, emails. can't answer on train. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But train's very weird on the island. Yeah. That, but the nice part is you can type, you can do other things on the train. Like if you wanted to work on your laptop, you can, you can open up your laptop. Well, when I have a short business trip, if I can take Amtrak, I love it because you can plug in, you can work. Amtrak's actually, it takes longer than a plane, but it's actually quite relaxing. If I have to go to DC for business, I'll take the train. Really? Yeah. We drove, I drove down. Uh, I've driven. Two, I've driven. Years. It's only five hours. Yeah, it's about five driving from here, here, from here in Suffolk County, Long Island. Mm-hmm. I would say to fly, even though it's a one-hour flight and you're really only in the air 38 minutes, if you do the math, though, by the time you go to the airport, go through security, it's, it's just you do the math, it's going to be five hours anyway. Yeah. The truth is I can hop on Long Island Railroad and be in the city in an hour. Go upstairs in the escalator to the Amtrak level, hop on the Amtrak to D.C., mm-hmm. and in two and a half more, I'm in D.C. Yeah. So it's a total of three and a half. Now, there's some break time in there. You know, sometimes you don't jump right off Long Island Railroad and hop on the Amtrak. Yeah. But if you got a half hour between trains, mm-hmm. so still it adds up to a whopping four hours, you yeah. know, four and a half. So I, oh, it's three and a half via train to get there? It's two and a half on the Acela. You can get to D.C. from Manhattan in two and a half hours on the Acela. Wow. Yeah. That's not bad at all. It's not bad at all. I told you. I do it a lot. And I can work the whole two and a half hours. That's the nice part about it. You could work. Sit in, the, di- in, sit in the dining car, get a, you know, get a soda and a sandwich. It's not the tastiest sandwich you've ever had, but it'll work. Hey, it's better than sitting in a car in traffic. <sighs> Brutal. Brutal. I don't mind driving. I, I love driving, but, you know. Like when we went down to DC, me and my buddy John Keel, uh, to help him out with the uh, one of his events, and because and I said because he's been on the show before, but you know we went down there. He's got the bladder of a chipmunk, and we're stopping every <laughs> like hour or so. But it wasn't that bad until you hit traffic. If you hit traffic, it sucks. Yeah. Um, well, the Baltimore area, and then when you get right down to DC, mm-hmm. it's, it's rough. But yeah. yeah, you can pretty much fly through certain parts of it. For the most part, it was pretty. Pretty uh, and he has a big he has a truck too, which made it a lot nicer. You and know? now going back to the music discussion, if you ever go down to DC for music, mm-hmm. probably the best venue sound wise, a place called the Nine Thirty Club. Really? Yeah. If you ever have a band you like that's playing the Nine Thirty Club? Go, go. Really? Yeah, it's really good. Really it sounds good. great. Yeah, it's. Um, I would say it's. Are you a country person? Or not? not at all. My uh, wife likes country music a little bit. I grew up on the. Uh, Punk and alternative rock of the late seventies and eighties. That's cool. Ramones, Clash, Elvis Costello, Sex Pistols, stuff like that. Everybody's got their stick. I know I'm over fifty and I'm supposed to switch to jazz now, but I just can't do it. I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't. Bl- hey, I listen to jazz every once in a while. I listen. To, I have so many different. Uh, I've maxed out my Pandora as far as stations go. So how many? See, I know nothing about Pandora. Oh, uh, Pandora's great, man. I'm an iTunes guy. So, so, so tell me, what, what what's the story? So teach me something. Um. Because obviously I'm in sales, I don't like to listen to things that's going to attract my attention okay. as far as songs go. So I so like you to just listen want to background songs. Not necessarily. I like to hear songs I just never heard before because okay. I'm not singing along. Gosh. You know, if you you hear a song that you listen, you've listened to 
a thousand times. Right. You know every word of that song. So you're you're it in that case you're probably not really paying attention to the music, but you hear something that you've heard, you know, thirty times, you're still rocking out to the music a little bit. You're not really fully focused. Where Pandora, I could say, you know, put on um let's just say uh, I'm trying to think of a band that you that you would know too. Like let's say Lincoln Park. Okay. Yeah. So you right. so you throw on some Lincoln Park. The nice part about that is an R.I.P. Chester. But the nice part about that is they're going to play a bunch of different things that I may have never heard before. Right. So yeah, every once in a while a song comes on. But then other than that, it's still playing a genre I like. It's right. Got that beat to it that I like and all those all the instruments. But it's not something I'm like, oh, I love this. Oh my god. Oh, in this part, like you need to stop and and you really enjoy that moment of it. That's that's what I like. And gotcha. you know, I could put in uh, it's. It's funny because I'll throw in Spanish music all the time. Really? Yeah, because I don't because I don't know any of the words, and the and the beat and the rhythm's great. They mastered that. Yeah. So I'll be sitting there and I don't know what am I? I'm shaking my hips at the, the sitting <laughs> in my chair doing while you're driving. No, 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 no. Oh, no. All, right, all right. But yeah, actually, yeah. While I'm driving, you know, I'm, I got something going on, and it's nice because either I'm not focusing on it, so I'm thinking about you know what am I going to say at this appointment? What am I going to yeah. you know? Let me refresh what I learned in Sandler. You know yeah. what what. You know, do I know anything about this person? Do they know anybody I know? Yeah. You know, what what angles can I kind of kind of help to use? You know, get that get that bonding rapport. Yeah. You know, that's. Have you listened to any of the Sandler podcasts while you're driving? No. Yeah, I, I haven't I'll, listened to any Sandler stuff. Oh, real? See, no. I have the CDs. Best of Sandler. Okay. If you come to the office, you should borrow some of those. Those are really good. I don't they actually even, have David I can't Sandler they even have on some CDs of them. still. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, Rich and Rob still have them. You know, now we have Sandler Online, which is like videos. Sandler Online's online. great. Sandler Online's phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, so, but but uh, that's how I that's how I play. You know, I want I want something that's going to clear my mind, especially when I'm on the phone. You know, if I'm if I'm taking a, if I'm taking either a hot lead or even a cold lead or you know somebody, hey, you know, call this person. I'll pop. You know, and and the uh, the iPhone headphones in. Because you can still hear everything else for the most part going on, and I'll have just like that little bit of Spanish music in the back, and then sometimes it catches the ear. What are you listening to? Oh, I'm listening to a little little Spanish music or whatever That's it is, funny. and people love it. People are like, why that? And I'm like, well, they're not cursing. Even if they are, you don't know what they're cursing yeah, about. Right, right. Like it's got a nice rhythm to it, and it, it believe it or not, it kind of keeps me in sync. Right. Of we're New Yorkers, we talk a million miles an hour. Yes. I could have a I could do a, I could do an hour and a half podcast in four minutes if all I did was talk the whole time. So well, we all speak that fast except for Rich Isaac. That man is a master. It's very mellow. It's got the tonality down to a science. <laughs> Mister Customer, let me ask you a question. So yeah, no, he's great though. He's got it down to a science. For anyone who's wondering why I'm gonna why I'm laughing when he is on the show at one point, you will all understand. Yeah, we could. Yeah, it's listen. He's great, though. He really is, and people gravitate towards Rich because they can tell. Like he cares. He's thinking it through. He doesn't yes. want to just blurt out an answer for the sake of giving an answer. Mm-hmm. You ask him a legitimate question, he'll think it through, mm-hmm. and there'll be silence for a few seconds, and then he'll. And sometimes he'll do the old reverse, <laughs> you know, not to be goofy or Sandler-esque. He'll do it because he really wants to know. Yes. Somebody says, oh, I was out on this appointment and this happened, Rich. What do you recommend? The answer, instead of sounding like what I recommend is blah, 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 probably would sound like, hmm. Before I answer that, explain to me, so what is this customer looking to do? Mm-hmm. And then he wants more info. and he gets, it starts drilling down. He does. And it's it's phenomenal. And, you know, 
it's second nature to him, though. And it, the truth is, deep down, he cares so much about his clients that it's not some game with him. He's really trying to figure out to give you the right answer. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely does. Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, you guys just won an award too, uh, the Pinnacle. Award? So we won the Pinnacle Award down there at the Sandler Conference, and Pinnacle means we brought in. I think the most money of all 300 franchises. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have levels. Pinnacle's the highest. I feel like there is one above it called Summit, but I don't think anybody won it. If so, it would be the guy that runs the Pittsburgh uh, location. Uh, he, he's hammering? It, John Rosso. Yeah, he's he's like the number one guy. But, uh, but yeah, so we, we've won some recent awards. Lee won the Silver Award. Uh, I won what's called Heavy Hitter. Rob and Rich, as owners, won the Pinnacle Award. Mm. So we're doing very good. But, you know, the awards are nice. But the truth is, I would say my favorite thing about what we're doing at Sandler is helping these other businesses. Yeah. When I hear stories like we've doubled this company's sales and we've increased this company's sales by 42%. You know, uh, we're doing some consulting and coaching for a certain person who was a sales manager, frontline manager, and now he's the VP of sales of that company two years later. And the ownership is like, I don't know what you did with this kid. He's a young (laughs) 30-year-old kid, and you guys, boy, you know, but it's... It's worth its weight in gold. Well, they don't have the time to do it as part of it. They don't have the expertise to do it. And so when they hire us, even though they might deem it to be a little costly at first, the truth is, if you get results... Yeah, it's like playing a sport. Yeah. You have a coachable if you have a coachable person and you put them with the best coaches you're going to only get great results. So I just wrote a, it's funny you're saying that. I just wrote a LinkedIn article called mm-hmm. is your boss too nice. Mm-hmm. Uh somebody had posted on LinkedIn saying my boss is the best. I needed a day off to take care of this that or the other thing and they didn't even care and then I had to work out of home and they don't bother me about that blah blah. And so I had to write an article and I said, is your boss too nice? Because I think what she was describing, he or she, I think it was a woman, was describing about their boss was someone who's a nice boss. But I don't think they were a great boss. Mm. I think a great boss is someone who, without being a total jerk, pushes you to get the most out of you, especially if you're a younger person. I think when I was in my 20s, I worked for a guy, Joe Lucci at Sprint, who he was a nice guy. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't a jerk. But he did push me, you know. Mm-hmm. When I was hitting 80 to 100% of quota, he said, truth is, you're smart enough, you're hardworking enough, we're going to put you through more training, we're going to get to the next level. I want you at 125 to 150% of quota. Mm-hmm. You can do it, you know. Um, and you get rewarded on that. Exactly, you know. Yep. Feed uh, the eagles. Yeah, but I think some people are just looking for a work-life balance, and they want their job to be easy and not a hassle. Well, that's true. Maybe sales is not the right field, you know. But even in non-sales jobs, wouldn't you want to be become the best you can be? If I let me pick another industry, you know, if you're in a finance department at a company, and your boss is really nice and gives you all these perks, and you know, doesn't bother you, are you going to wake up one day at my age, fifty-five years old, and be like, holy cow, like? Why have I never worked my way up the ladder to director of finance or VP of finance? Why am I still making X dollars when I should be making triple of X dollars? And some of that goes back to, I think, the bosses you had. You mentioned sports. You know, the the coaches that push these guys get the most out of them. Mm -hmm. The coaches that kind of let them do whatever they want. Yeah. They're not gonna. These players are not gonna grow. Yeah. So that's something I believe in. Just can't push too hard. You're gonna. You know. 
I was on an interview once in my early 30s for a VP of sales job, and the interviewer, I'll always remember the guy, Chuck Hellings, he said, Pete, if you had to draw a cartoon of your management style, what would it be? I thought for a second. I said, you know, I'd be standing between two sales reps. Mm -hmm. I'd have my fist up to one of them, and I'd be patting the other one on the back. And he said, explain. I said, because you can't treat every rep the same. Some people need a kick in the butt, Mm -hmm. and some people need a pat on the back. Mm -hmm. And as a manager, you need to figure that out and learn their styles and learn what works for them. But the goal of a manager is not to make your employees' lives easy. It's to to get the best out of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look, I'm a sports guy, so I'll give this analogy Half the people listening won't understand because it's about the L.A. Rams. They're 3,000 miles away. But Jared Goff, their rookie quarterback last year, went 0 for 7 as a starter under Jeff Fisher, the coach. And this year they have a brand-new coach, and they're 9-3, and and the guy leads the league in passing yards. You know, sometimes people know how to get the most out of someone. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm sure there's some cajoling going on. I'm sure there's some patting on the back. But there's also probably some pushing yeah. and telling this kid, listen, you're better than you're playing right now. We need to work on this, this, and this. Uh, you know, with what I do, coaching, consulting, training, sometimes the goal is to convince, well, not convince a strong word, is to help that person you're coaching discover that the easy way isn't always the best way. Mm-hmm. And they have talents that if they do something just a little bit differently, They'll get more out of themselves. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. The uh, and and it's funny because you know you say you know somebody starting now going through the whole the whole thing you know making X and making triple X down the road. I think uh, I just went to a technology conference in um, in Texas with with the nerds, and um, one of the things they had the class on was you know hiring millennials, and I didn't go to the class because I kind of fit that I. I kind of I'm, – I'm like the outcast millennial. I kind of fit uh-huh. the shtick, but I don't fit the shtick. I'm the right age. I do some millennial things, but I don't do all the millennial things. And one of the, thi- one of the things that somebody had gotten out of the class is like, you know, these people, they want somebody to go to be able to talk to, to feel comfortable with. And I'm like, you're at work. Like, it's called work. It's not called, you know, make me feel good time. There's a happy median there, and I hate when they lump all the millennials into one thing because it's, it's unfair. Uh, I actually just wrote an article on LinkedIn a few months ago called Millennials, mm-hmm. Undermotivated or Undertrained. And I do believe a lot of what's going on with that generation is they're getting into these jobs. Companies aren't giving them the direction. I hate to sound like the old guy, but I got my first job out of college. They sat me in a room for two weeks and trained us on everything, mm-hmm. the product, the technology, Doesn't the pricing, anymore. the competition. Well, it happens maybe at Fortune 500 companies, but I don't think in your smaller businesses mm-hmm. that's happening. It's learn as you go or sit next to our veteran guy and mm-hmm. watch what he does. Yep. You know, And that's not enough, I don't think. Uh, I was very lucky in that my first job out of college was with a larger company. They put us through two weeks of training in a, in a room. The next two weeks were raw. Alongs with successful reps to watch them in action. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one company I worked for, they had what they called the STEP program, sales training entry program. 13 weeks in a classroom before you were assigned your territory, you were given a quota, you didn't even know who your manager was yet. Yeah, and you got to want it to get through that. Yeah. Oh, and not everybody made it through. So uh-huh. the program started with 16 people and 10 finished. Yeah. You know, and then they would come out to you and go, great. Congratulations, you passed the 
13-week training, you're going to be in our New Jersey office. The guys are like, but I live on Long Island. Yeah, big deal. It's only two bridges. There you go. You know, it was like nowadays, these, the, I blame both sides of the equation, I guess. I blame the... I don't want to. I hate saying millennials because not the entire group of them. Yeah, you just say but individuals. I, I blame some individuals for not being willing to go out of their comfort zone and say, "I'm going to do this. This is the job. Yeah. Let me suck it up. Let me do it." But I also blame a lot of business owners in a way that I don't think they're giving these young people the direction, the coaching, and the training that they need to succeed. Mm-hmm. I, I think the other thing too is you know the and and I, I'll say millennials because I, I guess I'm technically one of them. But you know the millennials they're being taught that you know oh it's okay every it's gonna be okay like something's it's gonna be provided for you're gonna be taken care of you know and like i just got out of college and you know all through college you know oh you're gonna make you know starting salary for you know because i went to school for computer programming um you know starting salary is gonna be you know you're gonna make 60 to eighty thousand starting salary and you know i just went to I, i went to college with one of my buddies and He's like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about applying to your company. And I've applied to other tech companies, and one company offered me, um, you know, $16 an hour. And I'm like... 32000 a year. Yeah. And I'm like, great. Like, good, you should take it. He's like, that's not enough money. I go, you have no experience. I could, I'd have more success probably training a fresh out of high schooler than I would with you who has already been through college and have these concepts and thoughts of what's actually going to happen yeah well i think maybe college in that description you're giving gave some people delusions of grandeur yeah uh but i also think everybody thinks they're going to get out and work for apple yeah they're going to work for google they're going to oh i'm going to have well if you're willing to move to california you probably can but Uh, (laughs) they're still pretty strict they're still pretty tight on that yeah i mean they it just sets these unrealistic expectations and then and then, boom, you get hit with reality where, dude, you're going to work for a small business. They don't have, you know. $65,000 base salary to give you. you yeah, know? they yeah. don't have sleep pods. They don't have, you know, <laughs> a cafeteria that feeds food to you for free. You know, you, they don't have the ability to just, oh, come in and leave whenever you want. That's not that's not realistic. Right, you know? right. That's not these, work. Yeah, it sets all these unrealistic expectations and, and goals. So when you come out of college, you know. I know people that I know a kid that just I've graduated with him and he just got a job. Wow. Seven or eight months later. And I'm like Yeah, I think that's something that maybe part of that's the economy, part of that's because we're in the suburbs, but I know when I was in college, a lot of guys, especially the guys with really good grades, they already had a job lined up before graduation. Yep. It was you graduate in May, by March they were going on job interviews. Mm -hmm. And it's like, hey, listen, my GPA is three point eight nine, I major in this and I minored in that and you know, uh looking for my first job out of college, blah blah blah. And and you know, I didn't. I finished college and Mm -hmm. I worked in a camera store in high school and through Mm -hmm. college and uh college ended and I stayed at the camera store. And about six months later my father was like, Uh, yeah, I didn't put you through college you can work at a camera store What'd you go to college <laughs> like, for? Uh, believe it or not journalism i was going to be a sports writer oh that didn't work out you can still become one nowadays anyone, yeah, anyone can, can start it. and start a blog exactly anyone exactly. can do it. it's the best part about the internet exactly um but a lot of these kids too aren't driven you know and i i, I hate lumping them all in like that because i know some quote millennials who yeah. very driven very hard but those are the ones that are at, successful 
Yes, yes. I mean, th- but do you wait? So let's go back, and I got to wrap this up soon. But let's go yeah. back for a minute. Even in my generation, I'm 55 right now. How many guys do you think 22, 23 years old right out of school were motivated? You're right. Uh, come 100%. on, man. you're 23. I was going to see the Ramones at CBG. He's getting home at four in the morning. You were and, spending forty thousand dollars a year in college. No, college, college was, was a lot expensive. less. No, you're right. You're right. It took me I to mean, age 29 to pay yeah. off my college loans, but. And that's great. Yeah, now I just people... hate lumping them all together. I, I think some individuals. and some of the blame falls on these business owners that are hiring them. They're mm-hmm. not giving them all the training they need. So that, that's just my opinion. Yeah. Everybody's opinion is different. Oh, I meet people my age who are blaming these millennials. I, if you ever read the quote from Frank Martin, he's a college basketball coach, mm-hmm. and his quote I can't figure it out word for word, but basically said, you know, millennials, you're blaming the millennials. These kids don't know nothing from nothing. Yeah. It's their parents that raise them to be this Product entitled. It's right. So he basically kind of said, they'll do the work if you tell them to do the work. It's their parents telling them you shouldn't have to do the work. That's, That's what he blamed it on. I now, I don't coach college basketball players, so maybe he sees these millennials more than I do. But you know, everybody's had different experiences with that generation. I've luckily, knock on wood... I've had great results. I really have. I yeah. deal with a lot of young people who are ambitious, who want to work hard, who want to move up the ladder, who want to buy their first home. And, and and so I don't know. I don't know if it's upbringing or maybe they've just gone to companies where their bosses are pushing a little harder or maybe it's just their own makeup, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. All right. I know you got to get out of here. I got one final question for Go you. Go ahead. I gotta think of a good question though. Oh, I thought you had it already. Lined no, up. I didn't have it lined up. Oh. I didn't have it lined up. But it's gonna what be do business you think... or music or sports? What no, it's gonna... gonna be business. It'll okay. be business right. related. We'll all keep right. it business related. Right. What do you think is either the single greatest piece of advice you can give a business owner, Ooh. an individual, or the most important aspect of a business? Okay, first of all, it's three questions. Well, you can pick one, Rich, one of the Rich, three. Rich Isaac would say, don't stack your questions. Mm. So let's go to the first Rich one. Isaac would, right, you, don't have to, don't answer, you don't have to answer all three. Uh, all right, so what were they again? Let me see which one yeah, I want to pick. I'm the single, pick great, single greatest piece of advice for a business owner or an individual. We'll go with that one. I like that one better. Single piece. Uh, okay, so I'll go with the business owner. Since I do a lot of the management coaching and training mm-hmm. at Sandler, and I, and I focus more on business owners getting the most out of their teams, I would say the biggest piece of advice I have is set smart goals. And we talked about this earlier, and I'm going to repeat myself, but it's true. Set smart goals for your employees and create the cookbook of activities it's going to take to achieve those goals. So I'll give you the two-minute brief version of that. To me, smart stands for the S is specific and strategic, both. Mm-hmm. You can have a specific goal, but you have no strategy to get there. It's worthless. Mm-hmm. M is measurable. Are you measuring the results? You know, these managers who let two months go by with a rep not hitting his quota or an employee not doing their job, Mm -hmm. and then they want to fire the guy, and the person is shocked. They were never put on a warning. They were never coached on what to do better. That's not good. The M is action-oriented. You know, make sure those goals, they can drive that action. Don't make the goal be involved with outside forces. Mm -hmm. I want you to get eight networking leads a month. Listen, I can tell you I want you to go to two networking events per month. Mm-hmm. I can't guarantee you're going to get eight leads out of that. So yeah. make sure it's the action they can drive. Mm-hmm. The R is realistic, and this is one of the biggest things I see with business owners. They set unrealistic goals. I have a client right now. They just had their best year ever, 2017, $5.4 million. 
And they just told the VP next year he has to write seven mil. And I'm like, okay, I can do math. That's like a 30% increase. I do not believe that's realistic. What are you judging that on? Yeah. What's the past performance? Just you can't pick a number out of the sky because it sounds like the next level. There needs yeah. to be some kind of real reality yeah, in there. Do it 10 or 15 percent, and then well, I think it depends on the business. Businesses early in their existence can grow a little more. Mm-hmm. Businesses later, it depends on the industry. Mm-hmm. I have one client; they're in an industry that's losing business. He'd be happy if next year they only lose 10% of their market share. That's just oh. their, that's their world right now. Um, and then the T in SMART stands for time sensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, are you having daily, weekly, monthly goals? So that, that, that's my key to that. I, yeah. I think that's my biggest advice to business owners. Are you setting realistic, SMART goals for your teams? I like it. So that's my 2018 like uh any, uh, all right, so how do people find you? Anything like that? Ah, Anything okay, so. Social uh, media, I don't know how much social Yeah, I'll give you the whole scoop. So at Sandler Training, uh, you can always reach us at www.legend.sandler.com. My personal email is W, uh, no, no W. My personal email is <laughs> pete.fasulo, F-A-S-U-L-O, at sandler.com. Uh, the number to our office is six three one. You know, phone number. People don't use the phone anymore. Uh, Harrison, we're millennials, man. We're millennials, you don't use yeah. phones. All right, we'll skip I don't the phone number. So there you go. You have our website. and You have my email. Yeah. There you go. Let's, we'll so. stick with that. I don't know okay. people spam calling you. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't worry. They're not safety. Safety reasons. Exactly. Um, well, this was great. Hey, Pete, appreciate thanks for coming down, man. I'm glad you finally made it. I know. I'm glad I made it too. And thanks for the Snapple. <laughs> Anytime. And, um, I got another one for, for the road. No, no, no. I'm going to go home and have dinner. Tight. I'm good. But thank you. <laughs> All, All right. right. Have a good one. Until next time, brother. Yes. Perfect. What you think, brother? Alrighty, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. And I am your host, Harrison Barron. Um, if you enjoyed the show, as always, please, please, please hit that subscribe button. I don't care what platform you're listening on. It just uh, it helps it helps me get the downloads up, helps people, helps the search engines find it, because the more people are pinging it, the higher it comes up in search results. True fact. Um, it shows that it's an active feed. Uh, and, uh, if you really like it, share it out, tell somebody about it, give it a rating, you know, ratings help tremendously. So, uh, that's pretty much, you know, how you can help me out. And, um, you'll see the new bio I'm doing in, uh, under what people say, you know, the website, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, you can go in there as well. Um, website is brutallyhonestpodcast.com. You can see all the good new and good stuff that I'm coming out with. Been spending a lot of time on there lately. Um trying to get everything fine-tuned for your viewing pleasure. And I really do hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Pete Fasul is a great guy. Uh not that any of my podcasts are bad people, but um he's definitely one of my favorites and um yeah, love that dude. Very very smart individual. Um and super passionate too. Uh, that's one thing I love about my podcast is all the people I get to have on the podcast are super, super passionate about what they do. And, um, it means a lot to me because I'm super passionate about this. So when we can kind of come together and be super passionate about what we like, it makes me so happy. It gives me a warm and fuzzy feeling inside. So thank you to the nerds that care for sponsoring the podcast, keeping your business running optimally. Your employees aren't going to be wasting valuable time because their printer is not working. Their computer is running slow. 
You know, they're going to advise you on what you should be doing and where you should be spending your money as far as technology goes. Finding, you know, maybe a new solution for you to get everything squared away. That's super, super important. I think it goes so undervalued by business owners, you know. There's probably a better process or software to automate it so you don't have to keep wasting employee time or you could utilize them in different areas. Super, super important. And you can have, you know, your backups being taken care of so you can sleep at night and a nice and some security um, all things that, you know, business owners think about. And even us as humans think about it, you know. If somebody can get into your laptop and, you know, it's always funny, those memes that you see, you know, oh, let's see what uh, let's see what his last text is to something or, you know, go through my search history, you know. We always say that. God forbid there was no security or somebody can hack into it. Well, you're going to get exposed. So um, not even for doing anything wrong. It's just embarrassing. Something to think about, some food for thought. But uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. I think I have another one this week. Super stoked to bring it to you guys, as always. Um, and I love the hell out of you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I mean, I'm getting close to 60 episodes. Hundreds right around the corner. I have some amazing goals for 2018. I don't want to share them just yet. I want to make sure that I by by 1-1 one, one, I'm on par to reach my goals. Um, but a lot of good things coming. So until then, guys, peace.